It's like the first time I've seen it do it. Hey, we're back. Straight into it. Mm -hmm. Our uh, our live recording software doesn't actually give us a countdown, so uh, <laughs> we just <laughs> go straight into it. You are um, on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez, I don't even know what episode this is. I think this might be episode 51, 52. Let's just uh, yeah, make up a number, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> but Well, it's the... What it is, is the first episode where Vic and I are here on camera. We've got the screen share going. And uh, as per request, I've got some background jazz music. So I couldn't, uh, couldn't help resist it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to have you on, Vic. Well, yeah, on. man. Um, I enjoyed your uh, episode going through the Necron Codex. I thought that was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the first use of this kind of like live software. And, yeah. you know, maybe we can do more videos like this because we get to show stuff on the screen in the middle. And I think people yeah. will find that interesting really helps yep so much stuff to uh, to cover as well i think once we get a balance update as well it'll be cool to do a little bit of a tier list everyone loves a tier list <laughs> definitely um so of where we think things are so we haven't had too much too many shake-ups from i guess the last time we recorded this uh mm. well last time there was a big event uh obviously necrons dropped and that'll be probably a centerpiece of what we're going to be chatting about today but primarily today we're going to be chatting about the nottingham super major which is a 300 it's an up to 400 player tournament but i think it's 352 players something like that mm -hmm. uh five round event cut to top four uh, uh super major so there's a couple of things i want to say on the tournament format but i'm going to give it to you straight over to you vic uh, first up <laughs> yeah well what, what do you want me to talk about dave where are we starting with this i was okay here's a question because mm -hmm. i remember this time last year uh actually we were recording the podcast and I think I said the same thing this time last year, is that the Nottingham tournament is too big for the number of rounds it has, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think even last year, we talked about some a couple of options where we can... So for context, uh, at a 350 players, you roughly get about 10 undefeated, which only four then go to the top four. Mm -hmm. So realistically, the top four is not even representative of the majority of players that went undefeated. It's a... It's actually a pretty small subsection of that, um, mm -hmm. and the uh, the tiebreaker metric is uh, not really representative of, I guess, who was most deserved to be in the top four as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, although is there really one that's uh, that could, that you could use for five rounds? It's pretty tough to come to. So, mm -hmm. I remember this time last year, uh, kind of saying, wouldn't it be great if they cut the tournament into multiple tournaments, or they did some kind of multi potting? where they cut after, I don't know, round two or round three into more pods, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. and made the cut to top earlier so that, you know, and included more people. And then we could have still an undefeated, potentially undefeated after seven rounds. But what I was thinking is, is actually what I thought about was, wouldn't it be great if they, instead of running one giant tournament, they ran two tournaments or three tournaments that were seeded? So, for example, I think they do this in like marathons and whatnot like that. If you're, uh, you know, uh, a competitive runner, you'll enter in the competitive heat, for example, or um, whatever. And that way you can actually see the tournaments, you know, um, Nottingham Super Major um, Champions Tournament or something like that, where it's actually people that have a UKTC ranking last year of, you know, or you just order everyone who has that UKTC ranking. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the tournament is effectively broken up into three Super Majors with the same number of attendees, uh, of course. And then you would actually have um, tournaments that would probably make a bit more sense for people that want to get want to get first place, but don't make the top cut, but still go five and zero. Oh. Uh, and then perhaps uh, you'd be you'd be playing amongst your peers more to say. What do you, what, what do you think about that? Is three hundred fifty players too many? Is it 
what's the what's i mean the... i i think you've touched on a lot of different points here but I, i'll go backwards so the last point you just mentioned about splitting up tournaments into kind of seedings pods anything like that which breaks up a larger tournament into smaller chunks so that you can have uh, a reasonable number of games to get to a definite winner i love that concept i think the thing that held us back from making that change or moving towards that has been that people love huge tournaments because you get a lot of ranking points from it yeah i think with time as people start to focus less on ranking points it might become better but it, they'll only focus less on ranking points if prizes are available if there's some incentive to go for the most difficult kind of tournament possible yeah. we don't really have that system in place uktc doesn't really give any prizes except for just trophies yeah. um and, and pride which is all great and well but once you start getting some fancy prizes on the top seeded bracket of the tournament that you just suggested i think people will start going for that over going just purely for the rankings yeah um how awesome know. would that be that if, would you be really actually, cool. if you had like a i've i've always said and i still to this very day would love it if instead of trophies they gave you commissioned miniatures that you could actually use on the tabletop mm -hmm. i me personally i would love that I don't know shadow sun or whatever like the bellacor or something you know bellacor's maybe a bit too big but i think you're right in that yeah if you could also add uh those kind of prize supports to it that'd be really cool and actually uh it's interesting because for itc points you're 100 correct of course but for elo points you would have a better opportunity to get elo points if you actually played in a harder tournament so there is actually already um kind of a ranking system in place there which you would probably benefit from True, and ELO is interesting because it's becoming slowly more popular. You know, I kind of wrote it off, Dave. You were mentioning it at the start. I was like, ah, oh, no one's going to care about ELO, but I think people are caring, especially yeah. with the fact that it was uh, quite prominent during the the World Championships. Yep. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. In terms of Nottingham specifically, I think Nottingham's the classic case of it. Is the second most popular UKTC event after LJT. It's mm -hmm. uh, really popular and realistically it shouldn't be a two-day event it should just be a three-day event that's just the the quickest kind of solution for it yeah. to be honest um, is one bigger than coventry if you count the two-day and three-day it must be close i think it's close but i yeah. think both the, the coventry events were around 120 so i think this yeah. is still a third bigger yep. even combined yeah yeah it's interesting yeah so i hope i hope like i think this is a bit of a problem for the season we've got for this year uh for the you know for the stock standard um two-day five-round event uh tournament now you know the context of this is of course is that the, the uktcto runs a business professionally and what makes sense is that for the majority of his customers this probably makes a good amount of a good amount of sense right mm -hmm. um so we are obviously like the 0.1 percent of the crowd uh talking in uh in this case but um i think actually having that dual system on seated tournaments would be a great easy hopefully easy change but great uh and then you know, if you're an unranked player, you could just always email and say, hey, you know, I'm an unranked player. Don't think it'd be fair if I played in the in the lower bracket this time, you know, put me in the higher bracket. Yeah. And I think, I, I would think that you would still get the same number of attendees or perhaps even more. Mm. If there was um, some different price support there as well. That's the thing. You need the incentive for both sides, both for the yeah. for the business, for the TO running it, and also for the players. And I yeah. think it is possible with some uh, some innovation on the systems that are, are, are used at the moment. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what, how it develops. Yeah, for sure. So despite that, we've got a pretty, well, would I say a new meta emerging? No, that would be that would be a mistake. Uh, we've had Necrons jump on the scene. Mm -hmm. We've also had Admech, but, uh, you know. 
Poor Admech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what we thought would be great is if we would go through the Nottingham list, um, mm -hmm. you know, what our teammates are bringing, what I'm bringing, what Vic's bringing, and a couple of other people kind of compare and contrast. So we've got a couple of Necron lists to look at. Uh, so I think we'll leave them to last, perhaps. Okay. Then, so we're not darting all over the place. So Vic, I'm going to yeah. bring your roster. And, okay, uh, yep. We're going to have a chat through what you brought. Yeah, let's start off with uh, something a little bit, uh, bit basic. Um, something that's already been seen in the meta. I brought Chaos Space Marines to this yeah. event. I brought it to the last event as well. Uh, I thought I'd go back to kind of the roots of what we came up with in Ignite uh, for LGT. Yep. Um, we had a, a core in that where we were playing around the Chosen, but we were also including Forge Fiends and Obliterators in even numbers. So the list I brought is three Chaos Lords. Two of them are undivided. One of them is Corn and has the Talisman of Burning Blood. The Mats is just slightly better on tough vehicles. What does uh, the I, Talisman of Burning Blood do? <laughs> uh, so it gives him plus D3 attacks, plus D3 strength every time he fights, and he does a oh. Dark Pact. The Corn ability is you get lethal hits on fives to hit. Nice. So uh, that him and his unit are pretty good into stuff that's quite tough because yep. they get the lethal hits. Cool. Uh, we have one unit of Nurgle Cultists uh, just to hold the backfields. And then awesome. we have our three Chaos Rhinos, which include the three units of Chosen we have, as well as the Legionaries we just went past. Yep. Uh, a unit of 10 Chosen, two units of five Chosen in there. Yep. Uh, one of the small units is a Corn unit. We have two Forge Fiends and two Obliterator units. It's yep. two times two. Uh, each of those is one undivided, one Nurgle, exactly. Yep, cool. uh, we have one unit of Slanesh Warp Talons, uh, a unit of Plague Marine Allies to go into yep. one of the Rhinos, because uh, they're super cheap, and uh, uh, the Blue Scribes as well. You've been Very... rocking the uh, the Plague Marines a bit recently. I remember last week you were chatting about, you know, hey, I really like the Plague Marines. If you compare them to Legionaries, they mm -hmm. are 10 points cheaper. What's the... What's the? Did you have? Did you not have ten points? No, you didn't have ten points. So, what's the pros and cons between plague marines and legionaries? So it's interesting. So the the legionaries hit a little bit harder in combat because they they have two heavy weapons, but because they're slanesh, they can explode on fives to hit. They can dark pact, whereas the plague marines can't dark pact. Mm -hmm. Because they're slanesh, they can advance and charge as well. Uh, they're both OC two, so that kind of rules both of them out. The, the Plague Marines have a few advantages, though. They're actually a decent shooting unit because they have two plasma guns in the unit and they have a Plague Spewer, which is a D6 Flamer, which is anti-infantry 2+, plus, 5 minus 1, 1, and it ignores cover. Um, and they still have two heavy weapons in the squad, which are still Power Fists, basically. Uh, they have three, so they have three Power Fists, but they hit on fours with no Dark Pacts. So they're the combo unit. They're somewhere in the middle where they can shoot a bit and punch a bit. They're yep. still OC2, and importantly, they have the Nurgle keyword. So you can use the Nurgle stratagem for them not to be targeted outside 12. Oh, so sure. you get a lot of utility for 80 points in this. They don't hit anywhere near as hard or have as much synergy as they would in Death Guard. But just having that Nurgle strat available to them can allow you to hold primary, which is one of the hardest things to do sometimes in UKTC. Instead of just constantly trading for fives, maybe you can hold a few tens on primary. Yeah. Um, so I made one of my units into Plague Marines rather than just more Legionaries or something else. Toughness five as well. Kind of a nice breakpoint. Yeah, toughness five. And they have a little special ability. They get plus one leadership, basically, when they're on an objective. So they yeah. can avoid battle shock. Uh, so that's my list. It's extremely uh, balanced, really. Um, it's, it's kind of not um, leading into a cursed cultist. It's got a bit of everything and a tool for everything. Yep. It's going to be down to me to play, the, play through the meta. <laughs> it is one of the best armies in the game, though, right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that, I think. 
Aldari and CSM are still the kingpins at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I'd agree. I think I'm going in with a strong list. Uh, Whether or not, you know, I don't have a clear path to victory here. I think it's going to take a lot of play from me to get through every different type of army out there. Uh, But definitely I have a game into everything. So I'm looking really varied at the moment too as well. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. What have you got on the screen, Dave? Well, we've got uh, Brian's list. Uh, Brian is taking Orcs. Uh, He is the Orc himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I played against something similar to this, uh, where Brian kind of crumped me a little bit, but Mm -hmm. uh, I can see he's changed it up a bit. So I think this is kind of a, not a standard-ish looking um, Orc list at the moment, right? We've got the classic kind of five to six truck. You've got uh, a unit of 10 flash kits, and then you've got kind of Mosrog, one unit of 10 boys with the uh, power claws, uh, two units of five mega knobs, which I think yeah. these are, you know, a little bit good into tougher targets, right? Uh, that's a very unique choice. This is Brian because he's ah. he's gone away from the boys and the beast snaggers. Mm. He's gone away from the squig hogs and instead he's gone for mega knobs, which are, have high low number of attacks, but very high quality attacks mm. at a very high strength with Twin Link. So um, I think the mega knobs are the key differentiator between Brian's lists. And I think they're very good, to be honest. So actually pretty good at uh, digging out like five chosen reliably or something like that as well. Oh, yeah. They're good into a lot of targets as long as they're not hoardy targets. And yeah. hoardy targets, you got the flash kits in there. who are yeah. really, really good. And they're yeah. a shooting threat, a real powerful hammer shooting unit. Yeah, and you've got five trucks to tag hordes up as well. Uh, one thing I did notice is that he's running all the knobs and boys all with power claws as well. So he's really going for the quality over quantity here as well. And like you said, have the 10 flash gets to back you up in that part of the, in, that, in that department as well. I mean, me and Brian have a lot of uh, debates about um, <laughs> the strength of orcs. I actually rate orcs extremely low in terms of power level. And he's like, oh, it's because you've never played anyone good at orcs. And, you know, he's probably right. And he's probably going to kick my ass in this tournament. But <laughs> at the same time, I, I would say, you know, when I, when I see orcs and read their rules, and then I read world eaters and I read their rules, the world eaters are absolutely terrifying to me. Yeah. Uh, whereas the orcs, it feels like, okay, you fast for one turn and then i know exactly where you are but yeah. maybe brian will prove us wrong you know he, he's bound to great for <laughs> i hope he does prove us wrong so <laughs> brian's brian's going with orcs a little bit of pastime for him as well which is mm-hmm. uh, really awesome a uh, yokel uh is people will be completely familiar with this list by now this Beautiful. is just uh the aldari list this is the exact same list he took to warmer world champs mm-hmm. which i think he got like 10th or 11th place place or something like that something mm-hmm. crazy high going x and one uh, you've got Phoenix Gem, Ortak, Huygen, Spiritseer, Inkan, Triple Spinner, uh, Ultra and Cannons, of course. One Hawk unit. He he loves his uh, three Spider units, mm-hmm. uh, so he's gone for that again. And one unit of Wraith Guard. The only difference between Yoko and I's list that we played at Warhammer World Champs was instead of a, the third Warp Spider list, I went with one unit of Swooping Hawks, one unit of Rangers. So. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty, um, I mean, we like to debate the finer points and say it's a huge difference, but to everyone else in the room, it's probably <laughs> pretty identical. Yeah, so, strong list, really powerful. Yeah. He's got a tough round one matchup, though. Yeah, he's got Grey Knights round one uh, versus Mike Duff, who is a lovely Oof. guy as well. Uh, I yeah. played Mike uh, several times. Uh, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on Aldari in the meta at the moment, Vic? Because I think you could probably argue it a few ways, couldn't you, about where it stands relative to the rest of the armies? Where this particular list stands, there's, there's two things which have changed for Eldari. I think they're still extremely, extremely good. Mm-hmm. But because they were so good and so popular, people are, 
understand their rules, understand their tricks, and understand how to deal with the profiles in the list. The yep. Yin Khan is nowhere near as scary now as it was back in LGT time. Yep. Um, now everyone knows, you know, you throw a few mortal wounds into the Yin Khan and, you know, it's going to whittle down. It's never going to be able to heal back up. Mm -hmm. um, same with the Wraith Guard. People understand the movement profiles and the way that Phantasm can be used, so they're not as scary anymore. Mm -hmm. The list is just powerful because it's powerful and it's built around Phantasm um, yep. and the power of the data sheets in there. The actual output quantity can be a little bit low. And I think there are some lists in the meta which this list is going to struggle against. And the Accursed Cultists are probably the key example of that. Okay. I also wonder sometimes if they can get through Necrons quick enough uh, yep. before Necrons get through them. Yep. And if they can catch up on the score even after they do that. So I think Eldari sit in a weird place in the meta where they're a powerful army that people know too well and they have tools to deal with. Yeah, uh, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, they're an army as opposed to Grey Knights, for example, that have the tricks, mm -hmm. uh, but they just have actual raw power data sheets underneath that and faction abilities. Whereas Grey Knights are an army that you know do have a lot of tricks and whatnot, but the raw power, the raw fundamental power of the army is actually quite low. Mm -hmm. So as soon as people get used to playing it, uh, the win rate tends to plummet off the face of the earth. But Aldari, we as we all know as well, there are two Aldari players. There are Aldari players, and then there are, you know, those extremely good Aldari players. And yeah. it kind of feels like you're facing two different armies sometimes. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I think Yoko has a good chance to to really compete for this tournament. Uh, I think he's got one Super of the strongest strong lists in the room. Definitely. Yep, you can't go wrong with it. So I think that's uh, that's all of, our, all of our teammates, right? That's our team. That's Team Ignite, except for yeah. you, Dave. Four people going. We want to get into it already. I think we should, you know, okay. I think we should touch on your list uh, and, and the other Necron lists and have a big discussion about because that's what people want to hear about. <laughs> okay, so I'm secretly uh, really proud of this list. I think it's one of the, the best lists I've written uh, in a while. And, um, you know, uh, there's a bit of ego behind this in some sense <laughs> where, you know, Necrons have come out and we've got a big, you know, and we've got a couple of weeks to digest and then there's a big tournament coming up as well. So, you know, I wanted to put my stamp on things kind of in ways which I've kind of done before. You know, remember we had Leviathan Tyranids, we had 30 Kaskin, and then I played Swift as the Wind. Those were all kind of lists which um, I kind of built myself and then talked to big tournaments and, and did really well and kind of became archetypes after that. So I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to submit something, it was going to be what I thought was the most powerful list. And the way I've kind of noticed my list building happens sometimes is, there's like an initial reaction of, oh, I think this is really powerful. And this was really uh, common with guard. I thought this was really powerful. I'm going to run this. This is like the cookie cutter list archetype. And I'm going to optimize it uh, with, you know, smart decisions around cutting the fat and doing things like that as well. Just so I've got like a little bit more of everything. You know, my weapon loadouts are a bit more like adjusted to every scenario and stuff like that. So that's where my previous list was, where I was playing uh, Canoptic Court, which I thought, which I still think, you know, is a really, really powerful list. And then I was like, look, there must be some way, some way I can push the boundaries here. And um, and then I, you know, I went overhauled all the factions again, went through all the detachments. Uh, I built lists for every detachment and played every detachment. And one thing that struck me was the original detachment fundamentally has really good stratagems and actually the stratagems that were good before are actually well some of the stratagems some of the stratagems that weren't good before in the in that detachment are, are actually really good now because mm -hmm. the data sheets of the units that are viable have completely changed 
So uh, let me give you an example. Okay. Stand back up, uh, which is just a sister's, you know, get back up on half wounds, one CP. Pretty good before. I mean, it meant that, you know, your opponent couldn't really epic challenge you. Uh, and then, you know, um, you lose your character in your attached unit. But it had a really big limitation. You would instantly get back up. Mm -hmm. So that meant that actually the attack sequence, you would get back up. And they would just keep killing you. <laughs> keep punching you. So, like, that was the worst iteration. So when I looked through the stratagems, I was like, what's going to change? And I realized that actually that stratagem has changed in a very key point. It's now you get back up at the end of the phase, which is obviously miles stronger than what it used to be before. Because, for example, let's say someone kills you in combat. You can get back up into phase. They've already consolidated. You're, you, you stand back up outside of combat, which is great because it means you can't get tied down. So I was like, okay, I looked at the strategy and I thought, what's the best thing you could, you could ever reanimate with this? Infantry character keyword. Wow, you can get 160 point Illumina Sirison back with this. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Nice. And previous to this in our team chat, I don't know if you remember this, but I said, I was like, before I was looking at Awakened Dynasty, I was like, man, Illumina Sirius, like, damn, dude, this guy's like a 160 point Katan when you think about it, because mm. he's got, his profile's pretty nice. He's got a two up save, four up and vulnerable. So immediately that gets around some of the problems that Katan have, which is that he has a two up base save. Mm -hmm. so he doesn't die to like really cheap stuff. He's toughness eight with nine wounds. So T8, really nice break point, nine wounds. Okay. And you're like, oh, that's pretty tanky. But then he, then he has a four up feel no pain. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> <like>, what? <laughs> four up feel no pain. Yeah, He's a beast. four up feel no pain. Uh, and then, so he doesn't half damage though, of course. So... Mm -hmm. In some, in a lot of circumstances, he's actually more tanky than a Katan, uh, and in some circumstances, he's not as tanky, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact he also has like eight relevant melee attacks, and he's got a good shooting profile as well. But mm -hmm. then, so let's just say, and he moves eight inches too, which for some reason is, I think, he got like plus two movement or something. Um, a lot of things kind of got that. So I thought, you know, this, if anything, is the ideal target to reanimate the stress. So I thought, looked at this unit, I was like. This is a great unit you can just brawl with right from turn one. If they commit into him, you might kill him. You might not. If you don't kill him, I'm going to reanimate D3 wounds. Then my Technomancer is going to heal for D3 wounds. And then I'm OC3. So, okay, great. My rest of my army yes. can collapse onto you. Oh, I forgot. He's also lone up within three inches of another uh, Necron unit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. And if they do commit and kill into him, one CP, get back up. You've effectively not killed him. And if you've taken Assassinate, which maybe you would against my list, then uh, you know you get you get your points for that. But the tempo on the board, you're going to lose a lot of tempo because he's so hard to kill for how much you have to commit to him. And mm. the fact that one CP undo your whole activation is really really powerful. So immediately, I was like, if there's any unit to play in this detachment, Illumina Sirius is the one, which is cool because in a lot of other detachments, he doesn't make a lot of sense because you're pricing into him just a one-time live only unit, <laughs> which he's still pretty good at that rate. But a twice living unit is obviously really really good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the get back up strat. Cool. <laughs> so we all know that Canoptic Reanimator has been nerfed, and uh, it's been nerfed in a sense that it's it's always only three inches. And obviously, I would play the ninety point one at twelve inches in my list, uh, of course. But uh, you know, I've got you know a three inch Canoptic Reanimator to work with. <laughs> I thought, you know what, it's great. The thing about wraiths is, is that when you reanimate them, you're often reanimating just D three wounds in your command phase. Mm -hmm. Now you've got a four wound model that's probably going to be on most likely it's going to be between one two wounds because if it's on three it's only taken one damage so two-thirds of the time you're going to have one or two wounds back mm -hmm. now if you roll a d3 
uh, you're not really reanimating more than one model most of the time on that. So on average, if you have one Wraith, you reanimate at D3 on two wounds. On average, it just goes back to full. You don't get a full base back. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what? Doubling your reanimations on Wraiths for 2D3 increases the chance that you resurrect the Wraith by a huge margin, which is yeah. really big. You nice. get more movement and you get to go. But then I realized is that actually Wraiths are quite difficult to kill and they're quite tanky. So they're even more difficult to kill and tanky if you have the one CP reanimation strat in them as well. Mm -hmm. What will sometimes happen is someone will collapse into your unit of Wraiths. They'll kill them down to like one Wraith and a half or one Wraith and a Techno. Then if you can use the strat and then reanimate in your command phase, you're effectively healing 4d3 plus 1, which mm -hmm. is basically two Wraith bases. So the difference between you having, you know, maybe plus one Wraith versus like maybe plus two, maybe another Wraith is absolutely enormous. Because then let's say you, you, let's say you're on one Wraith, you resurrect to 4d3 plus 2, that's two Wraiths plus one wound, you heal it with your Techno, on average you go at a three out of four wounds. So now you've got four Wraiths, one, at, one which is three out of four. And then mm -hmm. you swing on your turn. So um, really, really good. I mean, the, the reanimation strat is one of the best strats in, in all Necron codexes. And it completely changes the math uh, in terms of where does your opponent, uh, you know, react or where do they act and, and, you know, what, how much do they commit into it? It's really, really difficult to judge your outputs into these units when you have to take into account the fact that they can reanimate after you shoot and after you fight as well. Yeah, beautiful. I think that one's really, really, that's a core stratagem for the Awakened Dynasty, I think, still. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Wraiths, they don't really hit very hard in combat, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the downside of them. So I actually think Wraiths are, they're good. Don't get me wrong, they're good. But they're actually not, they're not super imbalanced because they actually don't have the damage output. They can't fall back and charge. And these are huge limitations when you play against really good players. Mm -hmm. The damage output kind of lacks, mainly because uh, they have a bad chance to hit and they have low AP. Mm -hmm. But Awakened Dynasty also has a stratagem, 1 CP, that 1 CP, you get plus 1 strength and plus 1 AP. That's really What good. else do you want on race? Great. Okay. You you're, you jump into combat with uh, 5 Chosen, I reanimate, mm -hmm. and then I'll uh, activate the strat for plus 1 AP. Uh, and then there's, I've got a, my chance of killing you have gone up drastically. Mm -hmm. What this also enables too is, and I've done my list, is that you can actually take the whip coils as a somewhat viable option. Now, the whip coils are double the attacks, but zero AP and minus one strength. But if you put them at AP one, it's way better into things like rhinos and whatnot like that as well. Way better into cultists, way better into even rubric greens and stuff like that. So I've got one cheeky squad that takes advantage of that strat with four whip nice. coils and um, two claws. And four whip coils are just way better into a cursed cultist as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Oh, very cool. That's a nice tech. <laughs> I'm running all with the particle beamer as well, just because if you get locked in combat, you do want to be shooting uh, mm -hmm. shooting there as well. The, the shooting options are not really that great. Either sure. So um, those are those two strats. Now, all right, Mr. Immortals. Okay, uh, it's mm, just let's see it. or errata today. And the main benefit of the Canoptic Cord is, of course, you get access to four rerolls to hit. Now, this with Immortals was really good, especially pre-FAQ, where you could devastating wounds their attack. But even without the Devastating Wound strat, uh, if you have a Plasmancer, you have 20 shots with four rerolls to hit, exploding fives, and in the, in the Awakened Dynasty, you hit on twos. So you reroll everything, you get an average of about 39 hits, and then you reroll everything if they're on an objective as well. So uh, you still have access to four rerolls to hit, and where you want to use that, of course, is your Immortals most of the time. Mm -hmm. So you've still got that big Immortal Brick activation. You just don't have the Dev Wounds, which means that you're a little bit worse in killing big targets like uh, Incarn or maybe deep striking and then uh, shooting a Night Spinner. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm playing two units of Immortals, and I've got the Plasmancer and the Chronomancer. Sweet. Now, the reason I'm playing 20 Immortals as well is because actually with the Luminous series, the Immortals become significantly better. Mm-hmm. These guys are legitimately difficult to kill if you've got Luminous series. They provide an aura of Armor of Contempt, which means that you're effectively running a one-wound model, toughness five, two-up base save. And if they're shooting with range, you're effectively on a one-up save. Yep. So that's really powerful. Now, uh, what they actually, Lumina does as well, is in combat, it gives you plus one AP as well. Mm-hmm. So you can actually charge 10 Immortals into something. You hit on twos, and then you wound on fives re-rolling. Uh, well, if, I mean, if you're a... If you're attacking a marine, then you wound on fours re-rolling because they're on an objective when you charge them, of course, and you're OC2. And then you can use the strat as well. So you can actually make your immortals 5 minus 2, 1, 20 attacks that hits on twos, and then wounds on fours with twin link. Very cool. Uh, Illumina makes them a lot better, makes them hard to kill. And uh, guess what? Immortals are pretty hard to kill if you've uh, got the reanimation strat as well. So let's oh, say yeah, you try and absolutely. kill them. Boom, reanimate. So... Really big fan of the 20 Immortals Illumina series in the Awakened Eyes. The kind of the synergies just kind of all come together there. Uh, as you can tell, I've been, uh, and, and <laughs> I, I was working on this list like in secret as well, <laughs> so for ages. Um, so then we've got uh, the Royal Warden, which I don't think anyone else is playing as well. He mm-hmm. your Immortal unit, fall back and shoot, or fall back and charge. So that unit that Ooh. you charge the objective, oh, okay, oh, fall back and shoot. Or what you can do is you can play the Veil of Darkness, which is a big reason to play the Awakened Dynasty. It lets you teleport your Immortals at the end of your opponent's phase, deep strike nine inches away. Okay, great. So you can deep strike your Immortal Brick that has exploding fives, spend one CP, reroll all hits, and then you can be within three inches of your Luminous Era, so you get AOC and plus one save, and then you can make a nine-inch charge somewhere if, you, if you're if you going to try to do that too. Awesome. Nice, the, that's cool. The Royal Warden also has... Four attack, four shots at five minus two, two, if you're within Illumina range as well, which is not irrelevant because he hits on twos. going to be re-rolling all hits and wounds because of the strat, and he's an immortal unit. All right. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the Satan. What's up with the choice here? Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a really interesting uh, uh, kind of decision point in Necrons at the moment. It's whether you play, if you're playing a Satan, which I think is probably viable to play all of them, if you're going to play one, are you playing the Nightbringer or the Void Dragon? Now, honestly, if you took my list and just went, David, I don't own a Void Dragon, I'm playing a Nightbringer, I probably couldn't fault you. It's it's that close. They're razor thin. But each of them have pros and cons, which is really cool as well. The Nightbringer is really small and it can fit inside a small ruin uh, for UKTC, which is obviously very relevant. But the Void Dragon has uh, offers something to your army, which you kind of, it has a solution to some problems here. One of the problems that will often happen is that your race will get tagged by kind of redundant things like rhinos and, and whatnot like that, right? But the Void Dragon has a, on a two-up drainy vehicle for D3, he's got an anti-tank vehicle uh, gun as well. So he yes. actually increases your chance of just shooting that vehicle while it's in combat. Your race can then charge something afterwards as well. So I've gone with the Void Dragon. Now, the Nightbringer does have that now as well with the Gaze, but it's D3 shots, so it's a little bit less reliable. Yep. And obviously, I've got uh, all my... All my um, I've got the Plasmancer who can throw a grenade as well. And then I've got the Immortals that can shoot that Rhino in combat as well. Mm-hmm. But I've gone for a uh, nice little complimentary amount of anti-tank. I'm running three heavy destroyers, just one yeah. which nice. I've really, really liked. 50 points. You can put them all in reserve. Uh, off the top of my head, I can put all three of these guys in reserve and the Locust Destroyers. And I can put uh, the Void Dragon in reserve as well. 
So all my small stuff and the katana that can get slowed, I can put in reserve as well. Uh, now these guys are really good. Um, just put them somewhere where they're going to continuously shoot. You can start one on the board. They move eight inches now, which is really good. And they're really good into things like rhinos. Obviously, they're going to turn up and take a race. And they're really good into forge fiends and what like that, of course, as well. Yep. Nice. Really good cool. profile. Uh, the locust destroyers, I've got two of. Uh, basically, uh, these guys are just the cheapest unit, singular unit you can get. So mm -hmm. I play tactical most of the times. So just having these two guys is really nice. They can turn up, get behind enemy lines or something like that as well. Hold your backfield, maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, then I've got, like I talked about, 18 Wraiths, and then I've got uh, Canopic Reanimator as well. Mm -hmm. and I've gone for four coils, and then the rest of the Wraiths just have six Particle Casters and six Claws. So this is what I've gone with. Um, you know, I hope it's uh, I hope it's good, but, you know, I really tried to push the boundaries and, uh, not, and, and just try and think about the next iteration of what people were already going to uh, think about and come up with, and... I think I hope that it'll it'll shine through as being the best list, uh, kind of in a couple of weeks to to come as people kind of try it more out. But there's quite a few archetypes for Necrons, which I think shows that it's a pretty successful codex and that a lot of people are trying a lot of different things. Definitely, yours is the most unique, though. I think I think it's also very clever, Dave, because sometimes you see lists which are good have all the aspects are good, like the durability is very high in this list. Yep. The output, you found ways of compensating for an area of the codex which looks like it has weak output, but actually you've got decent melee output and shooting output in this list, mm -hmm. both versus vehicles and also versus infantry. So like against swarms of infantry. Yep. You have a little bit of mission play chaff as well across five different destroyer units. And, uh, you know, I think um, you'll score high as well with this list. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, it will be. I, I can't wait. I mean, the Necrons are really popular at Nottingham. I was oh, yeah. hoping I'd be the only person playing Awakened Dynasty, but there is one other person. There's one more. <laughs> and his list makes no sense to play Awakened Dynasty at all. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if it was a typo in his bar, but, uh, but yeah, he's playing like four Katana or something like that. And, uh, and yeah, so it's completely different from mine. So yeah, yeah, the majority of people, I think about 60% of lists were Canopic Court. And about thirty percent uh, were the uh, hypercrypt, and, and then we get on. So, um, yeah, shall that's we, the list. Shall we compare this to a Canoptic court list? Of do you course. have? Do you have anyone? Yeah, there's one that I really like, uh, Josh Roberts' list. Perfect. I thought it was really clever, and I, you know, obviously it's most of these. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the Awakened Dynasty. What I realized is that race with full rerolls to hit on fours is a seventy-five percent conversion rate. But race with plus one to hit is a 66% uh, conversion rate. Mm -hmm. So actually, you only lose 9% uh, mm -hmm. chance to hit with your wraiths, which is actually not that big, considering it's an ability you'll always have regardless of whether or not you uh, control objectives. Yeah. But you do lose out on great things, which Josh is playing, of course, uh, like the Canoptic Doomstalkers. Just which, on uh, that point, the plus one AP is hugely more relevant, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that swings the match way towards the Awakened Dynasty for output. So. Yeah, so for example, six wraiths in combat with a rhino with plus one AP do have a chance to kill it on average, which mm -hmm. is very big. Whereas most That's of the time, you're getting two turns. So if a rhino charges you, you get six guys into attack on the, on their turn. You've got a you've got a very good chance at AP two of killing it. Yeah. Uh, right, Josh uh, Josh Roberts. Uh, this is pretty similar to a list that I was uh, I was playing. Oh, uh, Saracen here. Yeah, so this is interesting. He's got yeah. he's got a couple of interesting decision points here, which I think um, are not so obvious. But yeah, I think I would probably still play a Catan in Canoptic Court. 
But I think Josh has tried to squeeze more things in and downgrade what would be a Catan into a Lumina Series. Because mm-hmm. like I said before, he's kind of that 160-point Catan. Mm-hmm. He's also playing 20 Immortals, so he's going to try, you know, when you play Illumina, you're a lot more biased to trying to get 20 Immortals because he does actually buff them substantially. Mm-hmm. So he's playing Canopter Court. He's got the Illumina Series, of course. He's got the um, Overlord with the Translocation Shroud, which is, really, which is really good. Auto Advance 6. Yep. Um, He's gone double Plasmancer. Now, this is a bit greedy, but obviously double Plasmancer is quite good. It's uh, the output, but not the sustain. Damage. And it's actually the grenade strat's really good as well. Mm. So they just grenade constantly. So a lot of people don't know also is that Wraiths have a grenade strat as well. They can, If they make a normal move over something, mm-hmm. they grenade for number of models in their unit. So you actually, you actually seven dice grenade someone yep. when you make a normal move. Just really powerful. So someone drops an incarnate into your line. You can actually t- almost, if you grenade it with three wraiths, you can almost kill it straight away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't do that if you're playing uh, Eldar. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's got double Plasmancer, which means he doesn't have the Fire and Fade unit. Now, yeah. I'm a big fan of one Fire and Fade unit because mm-hmm. I think the UKTC ruins work out really well for that. But uh, look, I mean, double Plasmancer, it's a lot of damage. If you're trying to win your games high, can't fault it. The grenade on them is really relevant as well for digging things out like rhinos and stuff too. Yep. He's gone Technomancer. Now, what's interesting is that he's gone for all three enhancements, oh, which uh, cool. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of because a lot of times I'm trying to reduce the amount of ch- uh, points and, and redundant points, but he's got the... Uh, one of them is, I think, um, minus one to hit from ranged. He's got 18 wraiths, so that's why he's three Technomancers. One is uh, Infiltrate, I take it, and another mm-hmm. is real ones to wound i think so okay. yeah bit of utility in that one for sure cool. right 20 immortals he's gone the tesla carbine on both so these are the exploding uh mm-hmm. double sustained now he's gone for two units of canoptic uh acanthrites these are interesting i've never seen them in real life so i was really hesitant about them they are, oh. i feel like they're going to be quite a spindly model but the the void ca- uh, the cutting beam is like a melter so they're like a infiltrating or i think it's a scout moving fast moving melter unit mm-hmm. um which if you go first on some close deployments gives you a good opportunity to kill a rhino and they're a canoptic unit of course so if he's playing them for scoring they're not as ideal i feel because they, their models are quite bizarre like once again i have i haven't seen them other than <laughs> pts uh but, you know they're kind of like tomb blady models um mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh but they're really cool though uh interesting. i'm really interested to see how these go um i think they're kind of good if you if you get the jump on someone to open up vehicles uh, as well and to be fair you can shoot rhinos in combat so that's not bad maybe they should have just been this next unit though yes canada doomstalker i've uh oh, got three of them down there they're very good <laughs> i really love them uh i would play three in every single list um i think they just offer you a really solid backbone of your army you know mm-hmm. uh you can play them somewhat aggressively because even if they do take massive damage, you heal them and then heal them with your Technomancer. So it's not like a Forge thing where you're like, I'll expose it, but then if it goes down to five wounds, like, oh, I could pact and then die and hazardous. Yeah. So I don't really want to do that. Yeah, the Doomstalker, you're like, oh, commit into it. Who cares, you know? And mm-hmm. then, uh, oh, you're down it to two, then I hide it for two turns and then I come back and shoot you the next turn or something. Yeah. Or you move and I overwatch you on fives, full rerolls. Uh, these guys are great. Uh, overwatching on fives with full rerolls is great. I think for the points, uh, you know, they're great for what you get. This is a really good example, I think, of uh, a unit that is good, but only in a detachment, for example, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is good because it's not oppressive. It's not overpowered. Uh, it's just really solid. And when you see them in the Canoptic Court, you're like, that makes sense. Cool. The name matches up? <laughs> Doomstalker. The name matches up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Every single one has Canoptic. Canoptic. Down the line. <laughs> uh, 
And he's gone for some scarabs and then 18 rays as well. He's gone particle casters and claws on everyone. I think everyone has just moved to the pistols in combat because you get tagged so much. Mm-hmm. You'd rather just have uh, the pistol shoot in combat. So yeah, this is uh, it's an interesting list. I think the double player's Mansa might be a bit greedy. Uh, and then, But he has got the two units of Immortals as opposed to playing the Katan as well. So he's going to be able to dump the Immortal Wounds out like no tomorrow. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see how it plays. Good luck, Josh. Interesting list. Yeah, I like it. I'm a fan. How does the output of this list compare to the output of your list, Rusé? Oh, yeah. It's just the dev wounds is the difference, right? So the dev wounds is the big difference. Yeah, you're definitely right. But I think in the Wraithoff versus Wraithoff, the Mm. reanimation strat really does reign supreme. Mm, Uh, And if you can reduce the number of units available on both players' sides to where you've got, you know, your race versus their race, you know, if I focus on killing chaff, then it's going to be a little bit better for me, I would think, in the long run here. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's difficult to tell without playing it. But yeah, the reanimation strat... I don't actually think six wraiths killing attacking six wraiths will kill maybe one model if you use the reanimation strat, for example. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. I just slot the whip coils up to strength six AP one, uh, which would be um, I'm not bad on that. And then my uh, uh, and then the the damage two weapon actually uh, goes to strength seven as opposed to six, so you wound on three. So the mm-hmm. that weakened dynasty stratagem is often just plus one to wound plus one AP. Yep. So yeah, nice. we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, he's got a little bit less of the uh, direct anti-tank, that's for sure. So I would would say his list is quite vulnerable to getting tagged by things like uh, just random stuff like rhinos and stuff like that. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. I think this is the most common archetype, isn't it, that we're likely to see oh, a very yeah. similar list to this. Yeah. So if you're listening and you don't really know anything about Necrons, this is probably the most common archetype you'll find. 12 to 18 wraiths, a couple of Catan, uh, one unit of Immortals, and then kind of chaff that surrounds that as well. Very interesting. All right. Uh, another interesting list is uh, Chris. So on initial take, Dave, mm-hmm. I think Chris's list is the strongest one. Okay, here we go. Three. <laughs> oh, I think it's close between you and Chris here. <laughs> and um, Chris and uh, Anthony Chu, mm-hmm. both of them did, do a podcast called The Lion's Den, which is a Team England podcast. Mm-hmm. They went through a lot of lists as well. So I definitely recommend checking out that one. Uh, but he goes through his list as well. He's very confident. Very, very nice. <laughs> the, uh, this is so. This is the hypercrypt. So this is the other very common detachment which you'll see. And the, and the core premise of this detachment is that you can pick up what will no, mostly normally be four units every turn, and then mm-hmm. you can uh, bring them in from strike reserve. Or if you have the deep strike ability, you can bring them in from deep strike. Now, if you have the deep strike ability, you can do that on turn one as well. So it's kind of nice. Cool. Two chronomancers. The dimensional overseer, I believe, is the one where you can pick up another three. Three. Yes, three Chronomancers. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, so I think I know where this list is going. Uh, he's got <laughs> two Catan. Uh, so he's gone for the Void Dragon and the Nightbringer, which I think is... Um, oh, sorry. Uh, three Catan. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, okay. So, three. It's uh, just powerful in this detachment, right? Because of the teleport. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, these Catan are often limited, though, simply because uh, they don't have the Deep Strike keyword, whereas the Transcendent Catan does have the Deep Strike keyword. So... Uh, <laughs> A lot of times, I don't know if you're going to be teleporting these Catan, uh, or and if you do, you'll be time warping yourself one whole turn unless you somehow make a nine inch charge, mm-hmm. which isn't possible. I mean, it's not impossible because you'll probably be doing it with multiple of them. Again. Now, this is the classic combo, which you'll see all the time. And if you're listening on the podcast, it's the Locust Lord with Arisen Tyrant. Basically, what that does is that when you come in from hyperphasing, you get full rerolls to hit. And this is always played on an Gorse Destructor. Uh, yeah, uh, Ghost Destructor unit of three heavy destroyers. Uh, basically, this unit this unit is legitimately very good, but it is reasonably expensive. You're paying 
uh, what is basically 105 points on an almost dead character, uh, but he does have a resurrection orb, which makes him a bit more tankier, mm -hmm. to get four rerolls to hit, which is good because this unit here is uh, has a lot of damage on it. Uh, it's going to be 36 shots. It's 611 uh, and four rerolls to hit, exploding sixes and hitting on three. Oh, that's the exterminator, isn't it? Uh, the inim that yeah, sorry, the enigmatic just exterminator is the is the multi shot one. Yeah, nice. And then it rerolls ones to wound against uh, infantry as well. He's got uh, a lot of uh, destroyers here. Yeah, He's got three, units two three. three uh, with the flat six gun. So, mm. you know, potentially that's going to be good against uh, you know vehicles and stuff like that as well. Maybe it's going to be good against Catan, but it's difficult to say what the math on these guys into Catan is like as well. The only thing I don't like about the heavy destroyers, and I don't like them in my list for this matter as well, is that they, whenever they move, they hit on threes. So with no rerolls, it can oftentimes be a bit tough to get these big flat damage weapons to hit. Yeah. But if you're shooting a vehicle monster, you reroll once to wound. So oftentimes, you, if you roll three plus to hit, you're like, great, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wound. Uh, two, three units of Tomb Blades. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what the Shadow Loom output was. I looked at this earlier, actually, because I was curious what output um you want to take i take it you take the twin tesla carbine because it's probably yeah the spot. shadow looms i think the one of the defensive buffs like the invulnerable save or something yeah and is then it three plus save and the uh move eight. to hit something yeah uh, i think they have a built-in move six after they shoot yeah which exactly is, yeah which is They're the game fun. plan with this list isn't it so yeah yeah so i mean this list is obviously gonna i mean so one of these units of immortals has deep strike which i think is the osteoclave fulcrum perhaps mm -hmm. uh so I mean, move, shoot, move, and get onto your objectives. It's a good game plan, and if you have to be, and if you want to counteract that by ringing your objectives, obviously they're going to be able to shoot you with uh, its backbone that can come in from. Ah, so when these units, if they don't have native deep strike, they can't just do tomb blades have deep strike? Uh, I don't think so off the top of my head. No. No, so they can only come in from strike reserves with this yeah. particular rule. Yep. Interesting. Okay. So the hyperphase lets you put units back into strat reserve. And mm -hmm. if you have the deep strike keyword, you can arrive via deep strike. Yeah. Uh, so a risen tyrant needs to come in from, uh, I take unless I'm, unless I'm missing something. I don't think destroyers have, uh... <laughs> oh, actually, ha, here we go. Can you see my Wikipedia? <laughs> oh my God. I'm sure that's not allowed. <laughs> oh, we're not sponsored by anyone. Fuck it. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, so let's look up, for example, um, a unit for models. Yeah, so it doesn't have deep strike. And then the uh, Tomb Blades? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll check Tomb Blades. Yeah, they don't. Oh, uh, weird. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big limitation, right? I mean, that'd be nice if you... I mean, that's the thing about the Hybrid Crypt. That's one of the big limitations, is that you can't just drop anywhere and do it. But you can use the strat to drop three inches away, which yep. is um, perhaps what some people do as well. And would that then allow them to deep strike, or is it still yeah. three inches away strat reserve? No. Yeah, so that, that one kind of supersedes the uh, the kind of need to come in on the board edge. Is that you Got can it. Just, uh, just do it like that. So it'll be like one unit doing the deep strike thing. Exactly, time. yeah. You can only do it with one unit turn. So maybe if um, you know you drop your immortals three inches away, fire and fade onto objective five inches. And if you're going to stay on that objective, then perhaps you just need to, um, you know, take shooting from okay. uh, the, the destroyers, perhaps. That's a lot less strong than I thought it was. I thought everything was deep striking. Because <laughs> no. if everything's deep striking, then it's very hard to hide. But if everything's yes. coming out of strat reserves, yeah. then at least you know the firing lanes that they yep. can get. Quite so your Void Dragon and your Nightbringer have to come from strat reserves, which is just mm -hmm. the boardage. Unless you do the three-inch thing. Yeah, unless you three inch your katan, mm -hmm. which then it can't get into combat, and then they, they just shoot free probably. <laughs> which is obviously um, not what this list is made for. Uh, yeah, I suspect not. No, yeah, I suspect mm -hmm. there's probably going to be a lot of three inch deep striking with the uh, immortals. The mm -hmm. only thing is the immortals almost do no damage here, right? 
And if you're three inch deep strike in a mortal squad, you're going to be given up assassinate as well, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a disadvantage to that. Um, you know, taking assassinate would be very good against a list like this. Uh, I would suspect as well because either you're killing their mortal bricks or you're taking out the katan, which also give you um, assassinate points as well. And then you take um, deploy teleport homers, which is in the middle of the board, which mm-hmm. they won't be in because they can't deep strike in the middle of the board unless they put their katan in the middle of the board. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So there's limitations to it, but you know, honestly, I think this is a really good example of you know a, a really well done codex. Uh, it's it's super deep. Um, you know, on the very first tournament, we've seen uh, three really good players take three really different lists. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I would like to see maybe a unit of six wraiths in a list like uh, like hyperphasing. Uh, I think even in the non court non dynasty list, I still think unit of six wraiths is, mm-hmm. is pretty good. So, but it's yeah, kind of cool. He has no rates. Uh, Josh yeah. has no Satan. You have no. everything. You win. <laughs> <Three different laughs> lists. Yeah. So um, yeah. What are your? I guess Vic. What are your kind of thoughts about Necrons? What are your? Um, what do you? Uh, do you think they're like a huge bully? You know what? Do you think they're going to come in and like destroy the meadow? Is it going to be Necron season? Or it's a tricky one. My, my gut instinct tells me that they're just a strong army. They're not like overpowered or anything. I think. Yeah. Where they sit at the top of the meta is unclear, to be honest. And I think this event is going to answer a lot of questions for us on their power mm-hmm. level. Um, so it's going to be interesting. They're very popular here. So hopefully we yep. should get some good data just from the variety of players that are bringing Necrons. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, let's see. I think they're going to sit somewhere near the top. And arguably, they might be good enough to sit... Um, because at the moment, I think even the very best armies, Eldari, CSM, I think there are armies that compete against them. Yeah. And I think Necrons is one of those armies that competes against them. Yeah. Uh, so whether or not they're stronger or weaker than Eldari or CSM just depends on who you are and who your opponent is and what's the context of what you're playing. So yeah. uh, I think they're right up there. Yeah, I think it's... um. Yeah, I think they're going to be interesting. The only thing I would say about the data coming out of this event is because it's 350 players at five rounds, mm. it's going to be difficult to actually say, well, Necron's performed this well because mm-hmm. you know, the first three rounds are going to be likely people who maybe have had one game into Necron's. You know, how much are you really winning there just because your opponent isn't familiar with your army? Mm-hmm. You know, So I hope we get some Necron's that go into the top cut and we can actually get some real contextual games uh, and, and see how they play out. I think yeah. you're right. Necrons are, I've heard this a lot on the internet as well, is that Necrons are kind of some kind of really stat chicky army mm-hmm. or, you know, 18 wraiths is just a stat chick, which I think is actually really wrong. I think 18 wraiths on, it's very easy to say that when you look at a list like, oh, 18 wraiths because they're so tanky. But the reality is that if you try and stat chick your opponent with 18 wraiths, you, you're going to get tagged, you're going to get broken up and you're going to get precision and epic challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your list is actually going to, have such little output after that that you're gonna you're gonna just fall apart so any game which i've actually tried to stat check someone uh it's, it's actually gone a lot worse for me when i was playing canopic court for example then then if i just play, actually played really passive use my two stratagems to bait my opponent into bad positions and then capitalize on things on top of that because since your output is so low you need to dedicate an, an, an abnormal abnormal amount of resources to actually killing what you do kill uh and then it's the same with your opponent they need to because your stuff's hard to kill they need to dedicate more than that. And because your stuff is low output, you need to dedicate more uh, to killing. So, Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Oh, it's going to be exciting. I'm really excited for this tournament. <laughs> Me uh, too. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a good it's, vibe. Uh, 
let's uh, were there any other release spice oh uh nasim for shane nasim is- we gotta do nasim come on dave this is awesome i love the godless i think they're really really strong uh yep. without being absolutely busted i think they're just all around strong and you're gonna know a lot about this list aren't you it's, uh, yes yes yeah so uh i guess this is like my list has sort of done the rounds so to speak uh because i played uh guard in two on two big online team events for our team uh, the stat check and the tryhard team tournament where we won the tryhard team tournament and we're in the finals uh, uh, with already eight points in the vibe check, which I played garden. And uh, I actually practiced guard a lot. I practiced it a lot after LGT for worlds potentially and um, pre LGT, of course. And um, I decided, you know, what, I'm going to play in the team tournament. And so, yeah, a lot of popularity in guard picked up, especially uh, one thing that I innovated, which was playing 30 Kaskin. Kaskin. Yeah, so you'll see that this is probably common in, um, in, in people that are going to take these builds is going to be uh, the 30 Kaskin. So Guard are actually in a pretty good state right now. Uh, I would say there's quite a lot of build diversity, actually, uh, in terms of the core, what you take around your core package. So you'll see lists that just run 18 Bulgrins. You'll see multiple tank commanders, and uh, most all of those will run 30 Kaskin. And then you'll see like either no transports or two transports or, you know, most of them play three manticores and then you'll see maybe two basilisk or no basilisk after that as well so um that's what i call build, uh, build diversity but that's obviously <laughs> just, just the same units in all of them <laughs> yeah it's not that much build diversity to get to necrons for example um so you've got leontis uh who joins the platoon command squad uh this lets you order from 24 inches which is really flexible two tank commanders for giving your two uh tank orders uh double plasma on these and the demolisher Demolish is really good uh, because it just does so much more damage reliably, and 2400 range is really not that big of a deal. Plasma is kind of nice against blast units like Accursed Cultists, for example. Ursula the Creed lets you use the uh, Fields of Fire Strike for free, which mm-hmm. is why you take her. One unit of Catachan Jungle Fighters and one unit of Death Corps of Krieg. The Death this Corps of Krieg actually join the uh, Platoon Command Squad and Lord Solar Leontis oh, and kind cool. of create like a super, you know, a massive unit. Sorry, actually. The Katachan Jungle Fighters might join that. Um, but And then Ursula Creed joins another unit, basically, so that you can use what I'm assuming is me a mortar in here somewhere. Uh, no, no mortar. Okay, so... No mortar? Is it in the Platoon Command Squad? Uh, yeah, you're right, actually. Sorry, yeah. It's in the Platoon Command Squad. There it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. I don't play a Platoon Command Squad, so yeah, you can have a mortar in that. And then it joins the Death Corps of Krieg, so it makes your two attached characters kind of tanky so they can't get killed if your opponent's playing indirect. Uh, Catachan Jungle Fighters just scout six, so they're a pretty good move block against things like World Eaters, for example. So good idea. Yeah, I like that. Scout move six. Uh, two units of Bulgren. Bulgren are really good for their points, especially when you combine them with the ability to order, which they're usually quite difficult to order. But these kind of this list, for example, is designed to order these guys consistently. They basically have four attacks at seven, one, two, uh, and then they have a four up in one T six minus one damage, six up field no pain. Uh, so really, it's it's these guys are. A consequence of being good because many things in the meta are very no one's looking at them so no one has no one's got tech to really kill these things at the moment i would say immortals are probably quite good into them though so that's mm-hmm. probably the one thing you want to watch out for mainly because they're damage one right so they're so consistent into them and here we go my favorite boys uh three units unit. they're so cool the really good part about Kaskin is that you can pay two cp to bring them back so when i originally thought of the list uh this kind of archetype I was playing three units of just regular infantry and I thought, you know what, for 45 more points, I get a such better unit and I can bring them back mm-hmm. and they solve a big problem with the melter mine. Now, commonly you'll um, use this melter mine to maybe jump out of a transport or advance and then, um, or maybe just like 
move, shoot, and then charge something, particularly things like rhinos that are really popular in the meta right now. So this is your unit that slows the game down, um, chops up parts of the board, has insane attrition because every time you lose a unit of it, you're going to spend two CP to get it back. Mm -hmm. It orders itself from off the board, comes in with an order, and then can shoot uh, its rapid fire guns as well. So uh, really nice, super versatile. Um, one of the coolest units in the game, I'd say. Yeah, really cool. Uh, three manticores, this is your backbone. Um, they provide really consistent damage, and they're obviously insanely good into things like Wraithguard and Chosen as well, which are both very popular in the meta. And two Scout Sentinels. Scout Sentinels are really key for activating your army and increasing your efficiency. They let you ignore the indirect penalty, and they give you reroll ones as well. So yeah, really, powerful. really good. You could yeah. spot something, come in with your Kaskin, twos, reroll ones to hit, uh, which is really nice. Or you can spot something, hit on twos, plus one to hit order, uh, and then um, hit on twos with your manticles as well. Now, so, I have a question, Dave. Sure. You and Nas play against each other, or no, let's not say you, let's take you out of it. Let's take one of these Canoptic court lists and uh -huh. put it up against this. How does that matchup look? Oh, I would say... I would say this list would definitely struggle against three Catan. For sure. Okay. I think Chris Kinnear's list would should do very, very well against this list because mm -hmm. he's got well, he's got six heavy destroyers and he's also got they can teleport and he's got uh, three Catan as well. So yeah. uh, really good. You can rapid ingress the Catan when you pick them back up as well on your opponent's turn. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I think you might be able to do that. You might not be able to though. But rapid ingressing your Catan versus these lists is, is obviously good anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would favor Chris's list in that one. And then... The no Catan build with Josh's, I think it would really depend on the board. I think if you have a deep angle board, I think Nassim's list is probably favored. But I think if you have a uh, close board, such as uh, corner deployment, then I think uh, Josh's list would be would be favored. Cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. And of course, my list would be favored as well. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Auto. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's a really cool list. Guard are really awesome at the moment. Uh, they're Sweet. in a pretty good spot as well. Was there anyone else? That you really uh, Jack Tight. I, I love his sister's list. A little bit of extra innovation from Jack. Jack is a boss. You know, Jack has been bossing it with sisters. And, uh, you know, the top of the list says Nassim told me to play this. So I can see <laughs> the small areas where uh, it could be optimized. <laughs> so, uh, like, the outline is, is standard, really. It's a little combination of a number of different lists. Uh, where you know you have the Dialogus and the Palatine inside of a unit of ten battle sisters. You have a second unit of ten battle sisters, which is split up in an immolator. Ooh. You've got Morven Vol and her three Paragon war suits, and you've got oh, the Triumph of cool. St. Catherine. Uh, yeah, so it's managed to squeeze everything into here. But wow. in order to make the interesting part of the list work, there's three castigators and no exorcists. Oh, so there's no indirect fire, but the castigators are a much more efficient um, kind of shooting platform. Yep. if you can get them to shoot. And I think the meta heavily suits you switching over to Battle Cannon Castigators compared yep. to um, kind of sticking on the Exorcist. AP1 mm -hmm. Ignore Cover is excellent. Having the extra heavy bolters lets you have good targets into vehicles and into infantry. Yep. And this kind of list is kind of funky because once you get a lot of Miracle Dice, um, especially if you get sixes, because there's a saintly example character in here when it dies, if mm -hmm. it's near the Triumph, you get a bunch of sixes. All of the sisters' vehicles have a six-up invulnerable save. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of a sudden, you can really start to squeeze out a lot of survivability. Mm -hmm. There's a huge amount of anti-tank between the, the Palatine's unit as well as from the Paragon Warsuits. Mm. and also the castigators so it's good into all sorts of targets 
Nice. The Caldus Assassin probably should be Seraphim. Um, there probably is a way of adding two Seraphim to this list pretty yeah. easily. Uh, but, you know, Nassim wrote the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's really strong. Like, I don't think you need the second Rhino. You can just swap that for Seraphim and the list becomes super strong. Nice. Uh, That's really but... interesting, eh? Because a lot of people have been like, on the Exorcist, you know, you either do play him, you don't. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of playing three and yeah. Over five turns, very good, right? But it's really interesting. I was chatting on the Sister Act Discord about my kind of next innovations for the list and where I think it goes. And the very first thing to get cut out of the list is the Exorcist, I think. Mm. And I think as soon as you drop one, you just drop them all together and you yeah. just play, you know, Liam VSL style. You don't need indirect fire. Just you you get behind their walls and that's indirect fire. <laughs> <laughs> Direct fire. Mainly ranged units. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how sisters are going. I saw someone with an interesting list as well, actually, uh, who I think if he plays against Necrons is probably going to do quite well. Mm. Uh, this is Alex Harrison's list, which is basically uh, a lot of vehicles mm -hmm. and uh, Gladiator Reapers, which have the uh, anti-infantry uh, gun as well, right? The Devastating Wounds one, which like re-rolls yeah. against infantry. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean the race of the infantry keyword. Yep. So maybe that's maybe that's the thinking there. Um, yeah, it's black templars with uh, what's it called? Uh, like a tech marine, which I think is four back and shoot, or probably advance and shoot as well. Mm -hmm. uh, four crusader squads, two black templars and pulses, two rhinos, uh, three gladiator reapers, uh, gladiator valiant. I don't know. Maybe that's like a anti tank one. Yeah, it looks like it. Two Eliminator squads, a Hellblaster squad, a Predator Destructor. This is the Predator list, Dave. Squads. This is the list where if he hits Assassinate, you just detach all the Technomancers from the raids. <laughs> Get rid of the infantry keyword. That would be funny. Yes. <laughs> but you can actually do that as well. Yeah, because you find out the secondaries first. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, interesting list, I thought. I mean, this list seems terrible into just like the two best armies in the game, though, I would have to say. You know, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, he, it, Alex is obviously a very good player, and he's got tools to play out a mission regardless. It's a it's a threat saturation skewed list where you know, easier. yeah. But it is quite static, obviously, right? You are just driving up the board or coming from outflank and trying to shoot your opponent square in the face. Yeah. Uh, so you know, playing defensively against lists like this is obviously is obviously really good sometimes when they probably have. Not the best secondary game plan as well. Uh, he, or he just hits one person with loads of anti-tank and it just falls apart. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's the list. I mean, I think uh, um, Daniel Whitaker is playing uh, World Eaters and Will Whitaker is playing uh, 60 Coast Cultists as well. No I change there. He won a yeah. lot of Super Major, so he's going to stick with it. Yeah, I would like to. I would actually like to get a game against 60 Coast Cultists. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, there's actually, I don't think, too many people running the Coast Cultists, so... It's kind of interesting. A lot of us have teched with that in my, well, at least I have. Uh, yeah. And obviously Harrison, you can see he has there. Um, so let's see how Will does. He might have a few more people with the answers to this list. It's a lot of models to get together. But what I would say is that somehow so many people have gotten t at least 12 races together. And <laughs> let me tell you a story. I assemble. I'm going to get it. <laughs> Here we go. Here's one of my rates. Oh, is it going to come into focus? Oh, there it is. Yeah. This one Wraith. There is like 33 parts to this one Wraith. And <laughs> it took me, it took me about 11 hours to just fucking assemble these things. 
And like, <laughs> I was like, surely no one's going to have the patience to assemble this many races. Those are the ones you got to buy secondhand. And then, yeah, uh, <laughs> man. Oh my God. Yeah, I should have gotten them. pre-done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do that a lot nowadays. That was uh, bad. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I think you're right when, you know, uh, it's kind of akin to the Desolation Marines, isn't it? But the hobbying is so much more intense than just, you know, 30 Desolation Marines, right? It's like... <laughs> I'm not joking. Like one wraith, you could probably assemble like five distillation marines easily in the time of one wraith. I think. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Well, a lot of people have managed to do it. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, of course, right. So, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, you know, Nottingham will be really cool. Uh, I'm interested to see how how Necrons do as well. I, I've I kind of have a skating feeling that it doesn't really matter how well they do because of the tournament format and size that it's going to be difficult to get a a feel on it unless someone does make the top cut um so looking at the overall stats is going to be useful like because it's quite a high number of players there's gonna be a lot of games you know so maybe we'll get a get an indication if if none of them have gone like two and three and all of them have gone better than that yeah indication that they're good yeah yeah there we go any uh any closing words Vic? Uh, just the, this has been awesome. We'd love to hear your feedback on this format. And if you found the list interesting, obviously we can do loads of stuff with this kind of format. So any ideas you guys got, just drop them in the comments, let us know. And of course, leave a like, leave a subscribe. Anything from you, Dave? Yeah. I'm just going to let the music, uh, do the talk. See you at the fireside next time, guys.